welcome to another edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, back here with your co-host, Chris, the fantasy expert. And in today's show, we will be giving our official 2021 Fantasy Football Draft Guide. I apologize for the late release that is coming out on Tuesday. We couldn't find a time to record it, and we wanted to make this show extra good for you guys. We have got our 2021 Fantasy Football Draft Guide. For you guys on today's show, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, defenses and kickers, players to target, players to avoid, specific questions, news, everything. No bold takes on the show. This was never a scheduled thing to have bold takes on this show. We have got so, so much to discuss here on episode 81. Chris and I are both super excited to be here and uh, we will get started in just a moment. Chris, you doing well today? Yeah, the weather here is incredible for me, so uh it's been a nice day. I went for a bike ride, dropped my sister off at her thing, and it, it's really nice. So I'm excited to be here, ready to podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's nice. I'm happy to have summer going on. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris and I are going to go to the pool right after this. Super exciting. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, let's get started. Unfortunately, we do have an announcement before we start the show, and it's not I, compared to the excited. Into, I, I don't know why, like this was the most it's kind of funny how this was the most exciting intro we've ever had. And then like mm-hmm. this announcement is a bit disappointing. But uh, we have to, we've known about this for like a week or two. We were going to announce it on today's show. But this is going to be Chris's last show as a full-time co-host uh, of the show. He's had a lot to do with like, he. it tends to be the type of person who likes to stay like really busy with stuff, obviously. And he has a lot to do even in the summer. And now with school coming up, it's just not feasible for him to host the show as Mm -hmm. a regular fantasy, like as a regular host or a semi-regular host. This is not going to be Chris's last show. He will still invite him on to talk fantasy from time to time for sure. And he will still be as knowledgeable as ever. It's not like this isn't, he's not quitting fantasy. We're not quitting our friendship Mm -hmm. that none of that is happening, but it's just, he's, it's just, I'm, you can explain it more, Chris. I'm sure you know better, but it's just the schedule doesn't really work. Yeah, I mean, really a full time host. It's unfair to Calvin and everyone that listens for me, because I know that once school comes around, I mean, I'm going I've been going to this new school for one year and it's just a lot more of an academic workload. And then I'm I'm going to be working a job on the weekend. So it's not I wouldn't feel right signing up to be doing this because I don't know if I could be there for every single show. So uh, I think it's better for me to just serve as a guest role. And I know Calvin's going to keep it up. He's going to get some really fun guests on. I think it'll be fun for you, Calvin, uh, to kind of get to meet a ton of new people by just having different people on each week. Maybe you have to do a solo show every once in a while, but uh, those are the kind of days when I could fill in. So I'm definitely excited to return and I'm definitely want to return. I'll keep up with my fantasy knowledge. Don't worry. I'll be back (laughs) ready to beat Calvin in more rankings, but uh, yes, I won't be a full-time host. Yeah. We'll be keeping Chris's rankings up on the website and he'll still be updating those since that's more of a low maintenance kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Uh, This week, if you want to watch his final full-time show on the sports talk YouTube. You can go to second goal sports talk on YouTube and see that uh, since this is dropping on Tuesday, it is going to be tomorrow on Wednesday at the usual time. So yeah, obviously disappointing, but totally understand. It makes sense. Chris definitely, there was definitely some burnout there for especially the last like Mm -hmm. few weeks or so as Chris has been super busy and like coming off of the school year as well, where he had like, like, like you said, lots more academic workload, a lot, a ton more homework to do, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Lots more work at home. It's like, it's just not feasible for him to keep it up, but it's not like Chris, he doesn't hate me. doesn't hate fantasy. None of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited for we- the next chapter of the podcast. Like Chris said, it'll be fun to meet a lot of new people. Mm-hmm. Definitely be reaching out for some guests. And um, yeah, if you think you're a knowledgeable fantasy 
person and good at talking fantasy, hit me up in the DMs at Calvin underscore SGF. And uh, I'll see if we can get you on a show in maybe the next few weeks or something like that as I continue to schedule guests. Mm -hmm. But Chris wanted to be here for you guys today for this fantasy draft guide. And I'm, we're both super excited, Mm -hmm. even though this is Chris's last full-time show, we're super excited to talk fantasy today. And we've got so many picks and we were getting really hyped for the show as well, as you could tell by the intro. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, It was really fun. We were just, uh, we actually used the old format. So we did a very similar format last year to what we're doing again this year, just because it was so fun to do. And we were looking at back at some of our old projections. Like, I mean, some of them were really bad and some of them were also really good. So uh, hopefully, mm-hmm. I think if I do as good as I did last year, I think I'll be happy. Like, I'll, I I'm think not going to be happy. I think I did. I had some nice hits, especially at the wide receiver position. I also had some misses. I want to do better. Yeah, I, wide receiver is the one position I want to make up. And I'm feeling really good with my guys. So, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, other, I felt good about tight end or well, especially tight end. I did pretty well. QB, I did well. Um, uh, but RB was kind of mad. Jordan Howard for one, one of the players I target. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then wide receiver was not very good on my part. Um, so looking to turn that around a little bit. But, uh, yeah. I mean, a lot I, of my pick, a lot of the ones that I liked, I mean, at wide receiver, ju- fade Juju, fade TY. Those were two epic picks. I was pretty great at wide receiver. And then my Justin Jefferson hype was also pretty great for a victory lap on the minus side. Kenyon Drake hype was way too high. Carson Wentz hype was way too high. Uh, certainly some other misses as well. Those were mm-hmm. the main ones though, that I'm remembering at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yep. Joe Mixon okay. hype too high. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's get started. Um, so yeah, we've got no bold takes today. This wasn't that we're not like taking the bold takes off of today's show. This was a planned thing. And I'm still going to record four more bold takes. And maybe hopefully we get Chris on a show like at the end of mm-hmm. the year so that we can hear his six that we've rec- he's recorded so far. I've still got mm-hmm. those. Yep. Oh, you still have them. No, I was secretly <laughs> yeah, just you're... trying to uh, avoid my bold takes. I don't want to have to hear them. Especially, come on now. Like all my bold takes, Jameis Winston, <laughs> I have my bold take. His number one wide receiver gets injured for what could be almost a whole season. Then, oh, let's say Carson Wentz and Michael Pittman. What a great duo. They're both going to do really well. Guess what? Carson Wentz is injured, and that totally just destroys Michael Pittman's draft stock. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to be changing things around. I'm really disappointed. Why did injuries have to do that? Those were the two takes I was the most excited about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely frustrating. But I mean, you got four more. You have four more mm-hmm. chances and maybe those will still work out. And for injuries, I mean, I'm not like, I feel like the, if the take goes wrong because of injuries, it's not as bad as if it goes wrong just because of like, mm-hmm. you know, but we're not making any excuses. All yeah. right. News. Like we said, Carson Wentz out five to 12 weeks after his foot surgery. This means he'll probably miss one to eight regular season games. I would lean towards the side of more missing closer to eight. Um, keep in mind that Carson Wentz has incentives to hit for like passing yards and stuff that if he doesn't hit the Colts retain their first rounder that they were going to send to the Eagles. So maybe they'll sit him out a couple extra weeks. I would project on the far end. I'm not a doctor, but I would project on the far end of that timeline, which hurts Wentz hurts Pittman. I don't think Wentz should be drafted in fantasy. Chris, I think you bumped him down about five spots in your rankings or maybe four spots in your rankings because of this. And it's difficult for Michael Pittman as well, because the upside just isn't there with Jacob Eason as QB. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it is so tough and so annoying. I was so excited for Michael Pittman and Carson Wentz, uh, Wentz heading back into Frank Reich's offense, but I think this is going to be an injury that we're going to see stretch out closer to that 12 week side. I think five is a little bit optimistic. Uh, they're removing an entire bone. So, you know, that's a big deal. And, um, 
I'm excited for once once he comes back, but uh, this definitely slows down their, their role a little bit, and it's definitely a cause for concern if you're going to be able to go ahead and draft Michael Pittman. I mean, I was going to put him in as one of my wide receivers to target, but I couldn't after that news. It's just too risky with this Wentz injury, and I don't think he's going to be good without Wentz there. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely unfortunate. Yeah, and like you said, the Michael Pittman being a top 30 receiver doesn't seem too likely now without Carson Wentz. I mean, maybe Carson Wentz wasn't going to be good anyway. I feel like there was that risk. and uh, But yeah, neither Carson Wentz will definitely not be a top 12 QB. I think we know that much. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Uh, also, Devontae Smith will miss two to three weeks with a uh, knee sprain. I think it's in the MCL. This isn't a big deal for me that much. I mean, it's, I guess, a little bit concerning that he got hurt early in camp, but he'll be back ready for the season. He'll still get some reps, and he's a really great player who we'll talk about later uh, when we get to mm-hmm. wide receivers. Yep. All right, let's get into it. 2021 Fantasy Draft Guide. Chris and I are, have the uh, three fantasy leagues this year. Um, we've done our Scott Fishbowl drafts. We've done our Dynasty draft. Uh, and now we've got one league left, the Redraft League. And so, I mean, I guess, do you want to just, why don't we just talk about at the beginning before we even get into it, thinking about the Redraft League, which this is sort of more like a home league. So it's not like an expert analyst league necessarily, although the people in it are very smart for the most part. Uh, and <laughs> I don't want to say, I don't want to say for the most part to be mean to any specific person because I'm not trying to be mean to any specific person. So I guess what I meant is they're ge- people are generally pretty smart in this league. And I was not trying to target any specific person by saying for the most part, but um, so yeah, it's, but again, it's more like a home league. It's going to get started in about two or three weeks. So Chris, what are you like thinking? Got any, like, as this heats up, as we try to get owners, what are your general thoughts of what you're trying to do heading into this draft and how you're trying to draft a league winner? I mean, really, I think it's just about finding the late round value. And I mean, I think honestly, this sounds kind of crazy, but just escaping the first round. Like, really, I think that's the biggest thing for me is kind of getting out with a guy that I can trust that I know is going to be really good next year in the first and second rounds or well, I, maybe even first two to four, I'd say are really important, you know? So, mm-hmm. I mean, if I can make out with guys that I like at that point in the draft, then I can really go at it uh, towards the end of the draft and get some of my sleepers, some of the guys that I think can really break out next year. And uh, I think that'll really just, that's kind of my plan because early round is where early rounds are where you survive late rounds are where you win the league. And uh, I'm going to make sure I get some breakout wide receivers and running backs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the other important thing to mention is that our league in particular is very, very trade heavy. So I'm looking to, like Chris said, I mean, a lot of guys in the first round, they will get hurt. Running backs are very volatile. So you want to kind of get the safe guys. Um, mm-hmm. and, that's, and, and this isn't saying like, don't draft Christian McCaffrey or Dalvin cook. If you're going to mm-hmm. get someone with like most running backs need to have a handcuff. And if you're not going to handcuff your own running back, you should definitely handcuff someone else's because you're going to need some options in case these guys go down. For me, it's established the running back position. I will almost always start a draft running back, running back. And I know they're very volatile and it sort of sounds like it may go against what Chris is saying, but on the flip side, first of all, I mean, you can always get handcuffs late in drafts. And I mean, these running backs, it's going to be tough, but you'll have to stream some guys off the wire. But that wide receiver golden zone is in round four, round five. I mean, even later, sometimes round six can be like the wide receiver breakout golden zone where a lot of these guys I really like are going. And then sometimes even later, like seven, round seven and eight, you can find some gems like that range is where you should be drafting your wide receivers in a um, 
one quarterback, two running back, two wide receiver league with three wide receivers. You may want to prioritize the position a little more, um, but in a two wide receiver, one flex league, then uh, I mean, it, it always depends like more flex spots can favor the running back a little bit, but then if it's too many, it's like always the running back drop off is really quick. So, I mean, you got to target them early, but the point is target running backs early. They can get injured, but you'd kind of just want to get those, those elite guys that you can't find late in drafts because other than like a James Robinson or miles Gaskin that you get lucky with on the waiver wire, there's nobody late in the late round. They can really get for running back. will totally break out. Meanwhile, with wide receivers last year, we saw guys like Justin Jefferson break out T Higgins, break out Brandon. Ayuk break out. That's just out of the rookies. Um, obviously, uh, as I look at the rankings, Calvin Ridley was a huge, huge fantasy breakout last year. Stefan Diggs. These are all guys that were going in that range or for some of them even later. So it's really important to get those wide receivers in that range with high upside. AJ Brown. There's another guy who just absolutely exploded last year. Um, Terry McLaurin had took a big jump. He didn't completely explode. Deontay Johnson had a great year. Um, many others as well, of course. So lots of guys in that range that you can grab. And so. There's a high hit rate on those guys is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah, I'm just trying to get those trades, make the right trades in season. Um, Those can be Mm -hmm. really big in a trade heavy league and yeah, make, make good waiver pickups. One thing I did last year that I really regret was I was way too conservative on waiver pickups. I felt that I was fine with my team the way it was with these mediocre depth pieces. And I didn't go after these, um, the, the waiver guys. And I mean, other teams in this league, the league did. And when it, they're very trade heavy like this, you can get these waiver pickups. And once they establish themselves as starters, like if you get the James Robinson or the um, miles Gaskin, you can trade them away for an overall stacked roster as well. So if you combine that with trading by the end of the year, your roster can look really, really silly, which we saw with one team in the league that actually ended up getting second, but uh, it just had an insane roster due to mm-hmm. waiver wire and trading. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the biggest key, Kevin. One thing I want to talk about, though, a little bit is, uh, I mean, is there some aspect like we're looking, I mean, tight ends is, is one of the, I think, the most underrated positions is in terms of importance. I mean, are you looking to kind of separate yourself? Because really, for the tight ends, there's kind of a class of, you may, a lot of people will say maybe it's only top three for you, but I think most people would say maybe top six or seven tight ends are really that class where you can gain a separation compared to the teams that don't get a top tight end. Are are you someone that's looking to do that? Or are you someone that maybe is looking towards later rounds? Then what about those guys in kind of the, the seven to 12 range? Are they on your radar either? I mean, I think I would say all the top tight ends are on my radar. Travis Kelsey is definitely there, but I'm just not with my RB heavy approach. I just, I don't think I'm it's conceivable that I would ever get Travis Kelsey. So Darren Waller and George Kittle start to be on my radar in the third round. Um, this isn't a tight end premium league, so it's not like I'm totally prioritizing this, but I think the positional advantage is important and the drop off later is really big. So, I mean, after the top six guys, I'm probably waiting on tight end unless Dallas Goddard falls a little ways. What I've tended to see in drafts is that after the top six guys like Dallas Goddard, uh, will go a little bit too close to that tier than I'm comfortable with, which, cause I think he's a little bit of a tier below. And then you, the guys like the dead zone of tight ends, eight through 12. I'm not going to reach on those tight ends always go too early for me every year. Many teams will reach on a middle round tight end. So if I'm not getting the top guys, I am waiting and waiting and waiting for guys late in the draft that you can get pick up practically for free. And that's what you'll see later. My tight ends players to target. Both of them are late round guys. And there's a reason for that because the top guys are about going all where they should. But when you 
don't get one of those. You have to wait on tight end and instead take shots on guys way later instead of reaching for a guy in the seventh and taking a shot just to fill out your roster. It's not smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, is that pretty similar to your approach? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely is. I, yeah, I, I'm actually, I'm very close with you on that. Yeah, I mean, I, there's the middle round tight end strategy just does not work. It's setting a pick on fire. Yeah, it's La- kind of like I experienced it with Mike Gesicki last year. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather go ahead and grab Gerald Everett than reach for free. five or six rounds earlier for uh, someone like Mike Gesicki. Yeah, and let's go yeah. look. I mean, yeah, Gerald Everett is going undrafted in some of these redraft leagues, depending on your yeah. depth. Like, you can get him practically for free. The, the mm-hmm. where, place where you want to draft these tight ends, if you're waiting, is just instead of like, the wide receivers who have like really low, like McCole Hardman, those wide receivers who really just have like no chance of really doing anything where it becomes like, if you're drafting a wide receiver, you're also setting a pick on fire. So why not take a chance on a high upside tight end there versus like some of the tight ends that I discussed, like Noah Fant, they're going in the range of a guy like Devontae Smith, who I will take a hundred times out of a hundred because Devontae Smith actually has wide top 24, top 20 upside in my opinion because he's just the wide receiver. And we'll talk about that more later once again, but I mean, yeah, I think that's a pretty good strategy overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yes, late round quarterback strategy, the last thing. And I guess let's, we'll talk about that in a sec. Cause this is getting into quarterbacks uh, as well. And we've got some specific questions we want to go over, but um, so I guess let's just get into that if you're ready. Yep. Okay. So let's see quarterback. We'll preview that position briefly. We had a quarterback preview a few episodes back where we went ranking by ranking. That's not what we're doing this show. We're kind of getting to the the stuff that you need to know. This is the one episode out of all of them kind of, that you need to hear. This is less like rankings. It's more for your draft and like where, what kind of approach you need to be taking to your draft. So uh, yeah, I guess that kind of segues into the question, Calvin. I'll ask it. Uh, when do you think the first QB should go off your board? I mean, when should the first QB? Patrick Mahomes, I think, is the consensus number one. He's number one for both of us. When do you think he should be going? Yeah, this is an interesting question. And yeah, like you said, it's sort of focusing on the overall draft rather than the positional rankings. It depends on how your elite works. Obviously, if it's super flex, he should be the number one overall pick. But we're not talking about super flex right now. If you have the one quarterback, two running back, two wide receiver, one tight end, um, and then the, uh, the one flex spot, you've got seven starting spots. I think I would be okay taking him I mean, here's the thing. I would be, I, I wouldn't take him personally until about round five. It's just, I think even if we're, I, I sort, sort of started mentioning roster size, then I realized either way, those top four rounds are filled with players who have a high probability to be elite. Once you get into round five, you can get into sort of more of the mediocre wide receivers. And although I do have a few guys past that, that I really love, I think if you wanted to take a quarterback in round five to lock that spot up, it'd be fine with me. But I the thing about it is there is already like a tier of like three guys at the top. And then there's just so many guys in the late rounds. I'm not ever going to take a, like a quarterback. I'm not going to be one of the first three people to take a QB. I will always let someone else have them. Even if it is round five, maybe. And he's still sitting there. I'll be like, okay, the next person can have him. I'm just not going to ever do that because it doesn't, it doesn't feel good for a team build you're going to find that these numbers throughout the year tend to be very, very similar Mm -hmm. to other quarterbacks, and they're not going to give you the same positional advantage. And I would always want someone like if we here, I'm going to pull up some ADP to get like some specific player examples. If we're looking at guys at the back of round four, 
Um, not all of these ADPs I agree with, obviously, but you're talking, oh, this is quarterback rankings. If you're looking at the guys at the back of round four, um, not, not guys like Jacob Eason, it's like Adam Thielen, Deontay Johnson. Um, I know Kareem Hunt is there. I wouldn't take Kareem Hunt because that's sort of the running back drop off. That's not really where I take running backs. Miles Gaskin, early fifth round guys, TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, Kenny Galladay, Mike Davis. These Brandon Ayuk, T Higgins, even a little bit later. And then you're getting even to the, into the sixties, Jamar chase, Cortland Sutton, guys like that. I would always take them. I mean, maybe not always take them over a quarterback, but those consistent guys feel so much better for a team build. And maybe you'll regret it right away. Maybe you'll be like, Oh, I could have used Mahomes instead of this wide receiver who doesn't sound all that great. But the guys that we'll talk about later in just a moment for the late round quarterback strategies, uh, the late round quarterback targets, it'll leave you feeling so much better about your roster and it'll be so much deeper. So yeah, Chris, I'll let you talk about that a little bit. Cause I kind of went on for a while, but I have one more thing I want to say about it after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Calvin, I'm stride for stride with you there. And that I don't think quarterback should be going in. I mean, I think you can make a case for round four round four. I'm okay with, because I think, especially if it's Mahomes, I feel like Mahomes is really a defined number one. Like I, I mean, in past years, like we've had this kind of competition between L Jacks and, and Patrick Mahomes, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I kind of like it wasn't as defined. So I didn't feel comfortable taking one because I thought it could be one or the other. You know, I kind of would have rather just taken the one that fell the farthest. But I think this year with Mahomes being like, I really trust him as the QB one. Um, I'm willing to take him in round four. But uh, I mean, that's really if the draft falls into a position where I don't love any of the guys that I'm seeing in round four, I don't feel like they fit how I've built my roster in the first three rounds, then I probably wouldn't take him there. But uh, I mean, it's, he's, I think he's worth it at round four round five though, is my ideal where I think he should be taken round six. If he falls there, definitely go ahead and pull the trigger (laughs) for consider your roster build and five. I think Mm -hmm. is the sweet spot. Yeah. And I mean, maybe there is, there's probably a case to be made that, in that round four area, if you don't like any of the guys that are sitting there, like if you're sitting between a choice, like in the early fifth, like, or I mean, maybe late fourth, early fifth, Kareem Hunter, Tyler Lockett, guys like that, or Daryl Henderson, guys that like aren't really that fun, or mm-hmm. Mahomes. And then you realize, ooh, like for me, this would be like, ooh, I can get Kenny Galladay a little bit later, mm-hmm. although that's probably I think, not I think if you're maybe more likely, a- like I can get Jamar Chase later, someone like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, if you're going to take a QB in the fourth round, I think you have to have a plan to fill out the rest of your roster. So don't go into yeah, it just sure. seeing Mahomes as the best player off the board. You have to know who you're going to be, who's going to be there and uh, who you are going to have as future options. Because I mean, it's a, as much as it seems like only one pick, it can totally destroy your roster if you make the wrong move there. And then you could end up with a flex that is uh, basically, you know, that isn't going to provide much value to your team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, one example, we had a team in our league. This is the last thing I wanted to say. A team in our league last year who had a good draft overall. And it was it looked it was looking pretty solid, but they selected Mahomes with I think it was the first pick in the third round, which would be too early for me. They also took like a defense and kicker, I think, in round eight or nine, which I mean is understandable for a lot of people to want to fill out their roster. But when you combine all those things and and then get like one bad bounce. It can be bad for your team. And this is what what happened was they drafted Saquon Barkley. I guess it was the second pick of the third round because he took Barkley at number two overall. Barkley ended up getting hurt in week two. So that was a really, really unlucky, obviously. Like your first round pick gets hurt. That's kind of stupid. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously, you should have done a lot better. But because the team didn't have enough depth for quarterback, defense, and wide receiver because they prioritize those positions when you can get those later, it just 
kind of fell apart and they finished bottom of the league, as you might expect, which again, obviously some bad luck there, but when you build your team like that, it opens you, it opens up to some risks that you might otherwise not have. Mm-hmm. Yep, definitely. Um, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's talk late round QBs though, because we're kind of comparing Mahomes to, it sort of sounds like when we're talking right now, like we're comparing Mahomes to not having a quarterback and that's not what you, you need to do. These are guys you can get eighth round, ninth round, 10th round, maybe even later who can perform quite solidly put up points in your quarterback position, occasionally even win you weeks. And like, this is the, these are the guys you're, if you're waiting on quarterback to build a more complete roster, these are the guys you can look for in the late rounds. So Chris, why don't you start off with your favorite targets? Uh, I mean, one of my favorite guys was Carson Wentz. Obviously, I mean, not as much. I think the injury is too risky, but uh, another guy I kind of like is Trevor Lawrence. I think he could be a really interesting guy. I mean, these guys aren't late round Ryan Tanhill. I mean, I'd love to do another, I mean, this was kind of my plan last year. I had like this Ryan Tannehill, uh, Kirk Cousins plan drawn up. Tannehill's going a little bit earlier, but I still think he's so worth it that I'm willing to draft him where he's going. So, I mean, like a Tannehill Lawrence or a Tannehill Daniel Jones, that's a combination that I love. And that kind of shows, I mean, that is much cheaper than getting Mahomes. And honestly, I'd much rather have Tannehill and Lawrence than just Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think – that I mean, certainly fair. I, I I would say I'd rather have that. Maybe not straight up, but like uh, mm-hmm. with the um. I mean, obviously yeah. you can match up play there, but or yeah, not yeah, not straight up, but like with the um with the stack kind of that you're getting late mm-hmm. round versus you know the value yeah. with Mahomes. Mm-hmm. So what I'm looking for is sort of like as you can if you see on Fantasy Pros, this is sort of starting in the tier three guys. Uh, some earlier late round targets, quarterback nine, Tom Brady. That's the guy I'm looking for. He's my current quarterback nine as well. And Ryan Tannehill, the QB 10, who was my QB eight. Um, you can get these guys in the eighth or ninth round. And I feel like they're really, really similar to a guy like Justin Herbert or even a guy like Aaron Rodgers. These guys are tend to go a couple rounds earlier. So already a good start there. Quarterback 11, Jalen Hurts. We know his rushing upside. That's already a great target. Quarterback 13, Joe Burrow was Borderline QB one last year now adds Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon back and healthy. Like this is a, a guy who could step into the top 10. Um, if you want to look later, Trevor Lawrence is ranked at quarterbacks 15, Kirk Cousins at 16. Some guys I really like Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback 19, I feel like could be a borderline top 12 guy now that he's got some re- better receivers and Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel. Uh, Antonio Gibson out of the backfield. Daniel Jones at quarterback 20 has a lot of upside with Kenny Galladay. And don't forget about his rushing upside as well. Um, I guess we're looking really late. Zach Wilson at quarterback 27, you can get for free. Uh, Trey Lance at quarterback 26. That's actually a bit too low, pretty low for me considering his rushing upside. Like there's so many guys you can get later. And even if you're like, I had a mock draft where I waited on quarterback till like round 13 and 14, just before my defense and kicker. And I got Ryan Fitzpatrick and Daniel Jones and was so happy with it. That's great. Like you can wait on quarterback forever in a one quarterback league. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And then imagine like the rest of my team as well. I, mm-hmm. I filled it out, then went quarterback, quarterback, defense, kicker to end. And it was very, very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's get into players to target. And um, I guess I sort of already discussed my guys, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Daniel Jones. That's kind of funny. I didn't even remember who I had put. I wasn't thinking about who I had put there, but just it's so ingrained in my head that I was like, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Daniel Jones. Then look at the note sheets like, oh, those are my players to target. So you get the idea there. So, Chris, do you want to discuss yours? Mm -hmm. All right, go ahead. My guys to target 
are Jameis Winston and Justin Herbert. Mm-mm-mm. Jameis Herbert's Winston, a little earlier than like the. I'm very years. annoyed with, but I mean, his ADP is just plummeting. He's still a value for me. I mean, maybe he's now your second quarterback instead of your QB one, but uh, definitely a guy I'm targeting. He still has tons of potential in that high-powered offense. And then Justin Herbert, I am so excited about Herbert next year. I think he was the most talented rookie quarterback we're now seeing out of that class. And uh, I'm loving his weapons that he has. They added Josh Palmer in the third round of the draft to go along with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. So they've got a star-studded crew. He's got an awesome check down option in Austin Eckler, who's a big play waiting to happen. Um, and then Herbert can use his legs too. He has definitely has some rushing ability. Um, and so I'm just overall really excited for what this offense is going to do. And um, I think that Herbert has the talent to be a guy, a, a top guy. And then he's also got the offense around him to be a top guy. And so, uh, it's very hard for me not to put him in my top five. I mean, there's some really good quarterbacks this year, but he's definitely right there neck and neck with Dak Prescott. Um, Justin Herbert is really the last quarterback that I'd be targeting in that, uh, or well, that I think is in that top tier of QBs sort of for me. Um, and I definitely think that if you're maybe don't want to wait for Tannehill or if you see, I mean, or if you, I mean, I think it's definitely worth it. Just go ahead and grab Justin Herbert, even if it's a little bit of a reach, just because I think he'll provide so much value to your team. And then you can get a late round guy to back him up like James Winston. Yeah, I, I like the Herbert pick. I think he can take an up a step up, but it's just like a spot or two too early. For, I'm not I don't want to be the seventh or eighth guy off the board to take a quarterback. It's just not how I play. And when Herb, Herbert is going right now in I mean, actually, I guess uh, I'm trying to find him in the rankings. He is currently going as the 69th overall player on fantasy pros in the late sixth round. Guys there that you can get after him, Merheem Mostert, Jerry Judy, Robbie Anderson, Debo Samuel, Brandon Cooks, Ronald Jones, Dallas Goddard, uh, even going further down, Will Fuller, Javante Williams, and, and Williams especially. These are guys that either have high upside or have solid floors to potentially be week-to-week starters for your team. So I'm not going to take that for me just because there's quite a few guys that I will take a couple rounds later. And then like I discussed even later than a couple rounds with like a Ryan Fitzpatrick and a Daniel Jones. But like for example, an example to sort of show my point, Ryan Tannehill is ranked 20 spots behind Justin Herbert, Brady, 19 spots behind Jalen hurts, 21 spots behind Joe Burrow is ranked, uh, is, um, ranked 32 spots behind. And I feel like those guys, while Herbert may have the best potential to take the next step up and maybe into the MVP race, I think Mm -hmm. those are the guys I would rather have with my team build. And then like, when you look, let's, for example, look at a guy guys by like Ryan Tannehill, you've got Devontae Smith, who I love, but then it's sort of really ugly. David Johnson, Zach Moss, Leonard Fournette, Mike Williams, Jarvis Landry, guys behind Joe Burrow, LaVisca Chenault, Tyler Higby, Logan Thomas, Mike Gesicki. You're taking those guys over guys who aren't likely to be consistent starters for your team, at least most of them. So it's much more worth it for me to wait a couple more rounds, though I understand the pick. I think Herbert does have some upside or a lot of upside. Yeah, I mean, it's just really, I love the talent of Herbert and uh, I think he's going to continue to progress. Definitely one of my favorite uh, MVP vets going into the next year. I'm sure that he's definitely not one of the top favorites, but uh, I think that he could be a sleeper that could win you a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, if you if you hit, I, I it'll probably end up be working out for your team. But like, it's I feel like you have to kind of get a ceiling pick for Herbert to make it worth it for me over like Ryan Tannehill, who I feel like has sort of a similar ceiling. But yeah, we've exhausted that. Um, 
players to avoid. You want to get started, Chris? I've only got one because I just really could not think of a second good mm-hmm. one at all. So go ahead. Yeah, sure. Uh, <coughs> oh, sorry. <coughs> it's all right. Excuse me. Uh, my first player to avoid is uh, Jalen Hurts, and this is because I don't trust his talent. I don't think he's a very talented quarterback. Uh, he showed a lot of flashes last year, I will say that. But uh, I don't think that the consistency is going to develop. I'm not liking his receiving core, even though they did add uh, Devontae Smith. I love the addition of Devontae Smith, but I don't think that uh, it's going to be enough to help out Hurts. I mean, he does have a solid offensive line back, but they are also one that's prone to injury. And I mean, I think his main value comes in his rushing. I think he's going to struggle with uh, interceptions. So if your league values or if your league, I mean, takes away more points for interceptions, that's definitely a negative on him. But uh, I mean, I just don't think he's that talented and he's not in some extremely high powered offense. So for me, he had to be, he had to be more talented if I was going to put him inside that top 12. uh, I think I have him at QB 17. Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree with you here. I mean, even if you don't think the bet on his talent is a good one, which I think his arm is underrated. And I think, I mean, obviously he's a great rusher. I still think you can take him like inside the top 12. I have him in my quarterback 12, sort of behind a proven tier of 11 that there sort of is. And then there's a proven tier behind him. That's actually kind of crazy. There's like a lot of good quarterbacks. As I look at my rankings, like there's like 14 guys that I would be comfortable with as a week to week starter. I mean, maybe 13 if you're saying Jalen Hurts, I would like to pair with someone more consistent like Kirk Cousins. But that's a lot of quarterbacks I'd be comfortable with. But yeah, Hurts, he has a good arm. He doesn't have a ton of weapons. It does help him with Devontae Smith. But he put up some numbers in his small sample size last year. And I think he can do the same again. His upside is so worth it, in my opinion. And even if he just becomes a matchup play, you can you can still have a guy like Cousins or a guy from later like Daniel Jones or Baker Mayfield or Ryan Fitzpatrick. Just play him along with, and you're not going to get hurt too bad. I understand the uh, being conservative about that, but I feel like quarterback 17 is sort of predicting him too low given that he has top eight upside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just don't think that that upside is going to come through. I don't think he's that talented, so that's it for me. And then my second guy is Joe Burrow. And uh, this is kind of weird because I have Joe Burrow ranked three spots ahead of consensus, but I'm he's still not someone that I'm looking to draft. I just think he's too risky at this moment. I mean, for me, this is one of those things where rankings aren't always how we're going to draft, right? I think that he will finish as QB9, but I, I mean, the way I'm setting my team up, I don't want him to be my only QB1. I mean, if I'm going to get him, I have to make sure I'm getting a Trevor Lawrence or maybe even someone like a Matthew Safford to go along with him. I mean, he's just that risky with his injuries. And uh, I mean, yeah, so it's just, he's not someone I'm looking to grab because I think that that could end up really hurting your team. Whereas I don't think that the reward is, I think the risk is outweighs the reward a little bit here. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess the ranking is like, maybe you project him to finish there, but maybe you're not, mm-hmm. I guess I make it, I understand you not being comfortable. It's kind of funny. I, feel like it, I have Burrow two spots could... lower than you and I'm all in on him. And he's QB mm-hmm. 13 in consensus. You have him as quarterback nine. I have him as 11. It's <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, kind of interesting. I mean, for that reason, I mean, I just don't know if Joe Burrow has the, has, has he hasn't, sh- he's shown to be good, like st- solid borderline top 10 guy, but he hasn't shown the elite upside that of the guys ahead of him that I have. I have him ahead of Jalen Hurts by a spot. I'm not worried about the injury. I think the team will be do, do well to protect him. And he's mainly just a pocket passer. But at quarterback 11, it's not like I'm in love with him like I was last year where he was like consensus QB 20 and Adam is like QB 12, which was a great call until he – or QB 14 maybe. I don't remember exactly, which was a great call until he got hurt. So mm-hmm. he's a good player. I, I guess I understand the hesitation, but I would disagree 
which is funny even though, because you have him two spots higher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I have Matt Ryan as my only player to avoid. I don't really have that many QBs to avoid. And the thing about Matt Ryan is that, I mean, he's also the QB 14 in fantasy consensus, which just isn't right for me. There's a lot of guys I'll take over him. And Matt Ryan is the t- agonizing type of fantasy player that you can't match up play. So he's one of the few late round quarterbacks that isn't good for the strategy, because if you try to match up play him, he will hurt you sometimes on a good matchup. He did it last year. He will help you sometimes, uh, or I mean, he will hurt you on a good matchup. He'll help you on a bad matchup in occasions. So it's like, it's hard to trust because he's too inconsistent. Let's look at the games where he tanked you last year. Um, 7.3 fantasy points against New Orleans. Okay, that's an okay matchup. 7.9 against the Carolina Panthers. He tanked you against a great matchup. 12.4 against Chicago. Okay, that's tough. 12.4 against Green Bay. Against Aaron Rodgers, you've got to expect more than 12.4 fantasy points. 10.3 against the Chargers. Come on now, that's a great matchup. 12.9 against New Orleans. Again, not elite or anything like 14.9 against Vegas. He's not delivering for you in the matchups when it counts. And when you look at his game log, you might think, oh, this is a lot of top 12 or borderline top 12 weeks, but you didn't know when to trust it. That's so many games where he didn't deliver and he finished as the quarterback 12. But if you can't trust him in matchup play, it's a totally different situation. I haven't been my quarterback. I guess I'll move. I, I think I'm trying to decide whether I, I will move him up to 20 ahead of Deshaun Watson, but he's still my QB 20. It's I can't. I cannot trust it at this point. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I don't know. It's, it's really, it's a, it's a difficult situation, but I can't trust Matt Ryan um, right now. Because, I mean, because all of those matchups, none of those matchups were particularly hard, except the one against Chicago. Yeah. A couple of those were really easy where he just yeah. bombed your team. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, I decided to trust Matt Ryan as my QB one. Uh, ever since that, I'm not going back to him. I think if you hadn't put him here, Calvin, he would have replaced Joe Burrow on my list. <laughs> too inconsistent for me yeah i mean that's crazy why is he maybe you can dismiss that as a fluke maybe but i mean it's like that's a lot where he's just unpredictable he doesn't seem to succeed very much the 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 tendency doesn't he'll succeed when he succeeds and fails when he fails he's not really a schedule-based quarterback which is might seem good for his consistency but it's really just makes it hard to trust him matt ryan's biggest games he did put up a big one against dallas then and a big one against tampa bay actually so he did have a few good games uh, mm-hmm. also against Minnesota, which it, I mean, maybe he is putting up some big games against like these big defenses. Those were his three biggest on the year. But then when you also just like can tank a week like that, and now he's without Julio and he was without Julio last year, obviously, but now he's also without Julio. It's just that potential to tank a week is not good. I want someone with that upside to win you a week like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who also won't tank your team when you least expect it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess let's move on to running backs. Specific questions. I'll ask you this one. You can answer first, Chris. What is, I guess we already sort of discussed it, so we can do this briefly, but I think we know what's the best way to approach your RB position in your draft. Um, For me, it's actually locking in my guys. I try and get early round RBs, and then uh, after that, it's just handcuffs. I mean, that's really it for me. I try and get three top 24 guys and then get their handcuffs. And or get two handcuffs, and then maybe if I see someone that I like fall, like Michael Carter as a rookie, maybe I'll pick him, but probably not. I'm really just looking at top three guys and then getting handcuffs, and yeah, I mean that's pretty much what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. I think three top twenty four RBs. Now I usually like to even get like three top fifteen guys when I go RB RB RB, and uh, when you, I look at the rankings, I mean I'm trying to get 
after it, it like after like RB 17 or 18, it doesn't look too fun. So, you know, got to get got my guys. Sometimes if a guy like my, the guys, like I'll look for RBs and I'll get handcuffs. Like you said, either handcuffs of my own guys or handcuffs of other people's and then look at waivers. The two players though, that I'm really looking for, maybe three that are out like in between that tier in the RB dead zone, so to speak, are Miles Gaskin, who shouldn't be in the RB dead zone at RB 22. Um, I think he's being underrated, still being sort of forgotten about after people expected him to be replaced. There's no reason why he can't be a top 15 back again this year, or not again, but a top 15 back this year. Javante Williams at RB29, he has a great schedule in the second half of the year. This can be a Jonathan Taylor type takeover, and the word is he could take over almost right away, which would actually be really, I mean, that'd be amazing. I'll get you the Broncos schedule in just a moment. And then the last guy I'm looking for, uh, this is just kind of like, a love of mine, Raheem Mostert at RB28. I'll grab that sometimes because I feel like he has a lot of upside and he's so efficient if he can ever stay healthy. So I'm not giving up on Raheem Mostert. But listen to this Broncos schedule after week eight. Uh, Cowboys, Eagles, Chargers. Uh, that's after the bye. Uh, Chiefs, Lions, Bengals, Raiders, Chargers, Chiefs. That's where Javante Williams will deliver for you. And he can get you top 12 production potentially during those weeks. He can be a league winning type of player if you wait out the first few. So drafting him, like the thing about Javante Williams, like you said about rankings, I'm drafting him at RB 22, but I wish I could move him higher. There's 21 more proven guys that I have higher, but like, I feel like during the second half, it might just be worth it to have like a top, the top 12 upside. But either way, I'm saying you should probably make sure to go get him and he's going really late. So that's actually one of the main guys that if I'm are the exceptions to my rule of early and late for running backs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I am really against Raheem Mostert actually, because I think um, it's too hard to tell who's going to come out of this backfield. And uh, there are a lot of different options. So it's just super risky for me. And I also like Chris Sermon. So he actually finds my players to avoid list. Interesting. Interesting. Another Darius um, Slayton is back. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah the, oh, well no this isn't Darius Slayton because you were wrong about Darius Slayton and I'm going to be right about Raheem Mostert oh wait so you're saying it's Darius Slayton because I'm going to be right again no it's Darius Slayton in that it's an argument and I think we have like a 10 spot difference which is similar to what oh, oh you have Raheem Mostert like crazy low it's crazy I have him as RB 37 jeez jeez that's nine spots lower than his consensus I have him as my RB 26 so, yeah, and, and Raheem Mostert's not a guy I'm, like, super disappointed if I don't get in drafts. But if he's there, I'll grab him. Uh, sometimes it's just the choice between, like, I, I actually, I, I don't know if this is necessarily the choice, but if it's a choice between, um, I'll go look where he is currently in the um, consensus rankings. He is, cur- yeah, I mean, it's like he's one spot behind Jamar Chase. So if it's a choice between Jamar Chase or Raheem Mostert or Cortland Sutton and Raheem Mostert, we know who I'm taking, obviously. It's not, and it's not Raheem Mostert because he's kind of just unfortunately in that area where I'm loading up on high upside wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's do players to target. You want to go first, Chris? Uh, Sure. Yeah. All right, go ahead. And I found out I've talked about most of my players to target once again already when I was talking about the questions. Actually. Oh wait, we got to do, the, we forgot. Speaking of questions, we forgot about the two more questions. Um, before we do that, I'll ask you these. What are the outlooks? What are your outlooks for this year's year two RBs? Obviously, Cam Akers is hurt, so now we don't have to do him. But um, what about really the, rest? the biggest one here is DeAndre Swift. Um, J.K. Dobbins, I'm actually not that high on. I just don't think there's enough of workload, but I love DeAndre Swift next year. Got him as my RB14. Or it says, oh, wait, is it 13 or 14? Are you I'm not 100% it? sure. I thought it was 14. It might be different, though. 
Oh yeah. It's, oh, I think it's 13 because it's without Cam Akers. Yep. Mm-hmm. You're right. Okay. Um, I have DeAndre Swift even higher. I mean, that's one of the guys I'm trying to look for. Uh, he is my current RB11 behind Antonio Gibson. Those two guys, Antonio Gibson and DeAndre Swift, have so much potential. If Gibson can ever get over his toe injury, he has top five potential. The he is gonna settle into that three down workload this year. That is what the coaching staff has said. Uh, not the passing attempts to the running back might go down, but Gibson's percentage share of those and snap share will go up in um and JD McKissick's will go down. He is very talented. He showed that he's great between the tackles. He can be a bell cow. And if he hadn't gotten hurt last year, I think he would have showed that even more. So he's doing well in his recovery from turf toe. It sounds like it's still bothering him, which is so annoying because if it wasn't, I would be completely all in. And I think I am pretty much completely all in on Antonio Gibson, even so, but it's just a little bit scary, but still my RB 10, DeAndre Swift, my RB 11, JK Dobbins is my RB 15. I just don't see much upside. His touchdowns. I mean, he, he got a lot of touchdowns because they have a lot of red zone opportunities, but Lamar Jackson and Gus Edwards still too many carries for him to have like cons- be completely consistent. He might be a little too, too touchdown dependent, though he'll still put up mm-hmm. good numbers. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I think we'll have a bounce back at RB 18. Oh, I think I we'll see. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's I th- yeah, I think we'll see him on the field a lot more in third down situations because he is supposed to be there as a pass catcher. But when they signed Le'Veon Bell, it kind of derailed him and stuff like oh, that. And Antonio Gibson. I forgot about both of them. Yeah, no, there's a lot of guys. And then is that the four main ones? I think that is the four main second year running backs. Oh, yeah, that's, and that's... Taylor. Oh, yeah. And oh, of course, Jonathan Taylor. God, this R- that RB class was insane. No, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, that I mean, actually have... and Cam Akers, too, who is now Kevin, hurt. We have five guys. From that and class don't forget Cam Akers. That are top. Kevin, we have five guys from that class that in my rankings before the Cam Akers injury were top 14. Yeah, I had Jonathan Taylor is nine. Cam Akers Actually, is no, 10. I think I had Antonio Gibson. Gibson is 11. DeAndre Swift is 12. J.K. Dobbins is 15 or 16, I guess, um, before the Akers injury. And CEH is 19. Like, that's actually pretty crazy. That's six players. Six. You're right. Mm. That is crazy. But, I mean, uh, Jonathan Taylor... He actually had like a David Montgomery type of schedule last year. The one difference was that he played the Steelers and still did well, which was nice. 18 attempts for 74 yards is pretty solid against the best defense of the game. And uh, he got two touchdowns for you. So Jonathan Taylor is dominant. I think with the Wentz injury, it actually might help him because his volume will go up. It, the Colts offensive line is really, really good. And he might get some more targets from uh, Jacob Eason, who might not be as willing to throw downfield as Carson Wentz. So Jonathan Taylor is my RB9. Um, like him, he's probably the ninth player off the board for me. And yeah, that, that wraps up my RBs. So Chris, do you want to give a summary of the ones you forgot about? Uh, sure. I mean, I think you I kind of already said it. I mean, they are all top guys. They're all young and they've shown a lot of talent. I mean, I think it's reasonable to expect one of them to fall off, but, uh, I'm not willing to put my, to point any fingers just yet. Um, I mean, this is the future of the RB class. It's these second year guys. I mean, Next year, we're going to have some guys coming in, and uh, this year we had a few guys come in, but I think really those that core of guys is going to – those are going to be the guys that we're going to see at the top of the fantasy rankings every single year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, those, yeah, and you're right. That, that class in general was just so, 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 so good. Uh, mm-hmm. Last question. Do you want to just name me some handcuffs that you think are good targets for late-in drafts? Uh, sure. I mean, Chuba Hubbard one uh, definitely – um, Alexander Madison, he's shown a lot of talent. Um, 
Kareem Hunt, he's kind of a flex cuff. I saw that term used somewhere. <laughs> um, because he can be a flex, but he can also be a really deadly handcuff. And, uh, I mean, those are just three big guy- names that come to my head. I mean, finding handcuffs is super, super important. So, uh, please, don't neglect that. Because just because they're not going to be good, if they're – I mean, they're going to be a player that's going to sit on your bench and you're not going to be able to start them. As much as I hate to say it, that's true. But if someone does get injured, it could pay off big time. And, I mean, they're really important to have. They're vital to a fantasy team's success, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah, and a lot of people say it's like optimizing your chances to not handcuff your own running back, which to an extent is true. But I also feel like you can find a lot of handcuffs on waiver wires, and it doesn't really – sometimes it doesn't make sense to try to predict someone else's back getting hurt. It's like if you have an injury-riddled back, you handcuff them. And, I mean, it does also make sense – maybe if you're handcuffing other people's injury riddled backs. So, I mean, I guess both strategies kind of make sense when they're combined. But yeah. Let me name some of mine guys. Let's see. Uh, Tevin Coleman, who I think can be better than Michael Carter. He's practically free. Uh, Gus Edwards doesn't have a ton of upside and he's going a little bit higher. So I don't love it as much him and AJ Dillon though. I feel like could have a larger workload than people think, especially AJ Dillon. He could actually like have quite a few carries. Remember he was a second round pick. Um, Tony, Pollard, actually not really Tony Pollard because Zeke's so durable, but Pollard will have a role. Um, I guess Chuba Hubbard because he's the only guy behind McCaffrey. I don't expect him to be predict- to be particularly productive in that role, and he might even disappoint you and give you like an RB4 week mm-hmm. if he starts. Um, Alexander Madison, although Dalvin Cook has managed to stay a lot more healthy late as of late. Um, I still love Alexander Madison, though, just because, I mean, the Vikings love to run the ball, and Madison is actually really talented. Mm-hmm. Deep sleeper, I want to talk about JV and Hawkins. This is Mike Davis's backup, and I think undrafted free agent showed some juice at Louisville. If you're looking for a guy who might be the next James Robinson, you go look at JV and Hawkins because I think Mike Davis is going to be a fresh leg syndrome kind of guy, and he'll be he could easily be out of the starting role by midseason. So mm-hmm. if this is if I call the JV on Hawkins James Robinson pick, I will be so proud. Of course. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so now let's do players to target. So go ahead, Chris, with your two. Um, one of my players to target is uh, here we go, Najee Harris. Yeah, that's it. And uh, you know, I love Najee's value because of the workload that he's going to be getting. I mean, I talked about this on the show. I forget. I think it's like two hundred fifty plus carries. Every RB that's been drafted in the first round and gotten that number has finished top eight, and uh, I expect Najee to do the same. I mean, you don't actually have him. Rent. Oh, I guess with injuries, it would be you could expect him to finish there because guys ahead of him may get hurt. But yeah, he's your RB nine, right? Um, it appears so. You should just move Austin Eckler out of your top eight. Then you've got the solution. Mm-mm. Thanks, Cal. All right. Yeah, but uh, I mean, it's just well, there's a lot of other guys I like, but I think there's a clear path for Najee to become a top eight guy. It's really annoying me. I'm, I'm feeling like I should just bump him off a ton. I don't know why. Oh, you want him to be like your RB five or something? Yeah. Oh my gosh, jeez. I'll move him up to RB eight just to stay true to my. No, come on. If you don't actually think it, you shouldn't. Don't stand no, I by do. your take if you think you're wrong. I do. Nashi Harris. You think he's RB8. better than Alvin, Alvin Kamara? Kamara. Come on now, really? Really? Mm-hmm. Really? Okay. Well, it's published for all the world to see. So. Good for you. Um, yeah, by the way, you'll probably hear us say some rankings that are occasionally slightly off in the show. Um, we usually say like, oh, I'm updating this, but sometimes it'll be like um, 
-hmm. sometimes it'll be like a little bit different if it's not that important of a guy i might update it later in the show and then just slightly and yeah it'll be Mm -hmm. or or after the show sometimes a lot of the time it's also after the show before we uh, publish it but yeah and then your second guy is ronald jones yeah, um, I'm really excited for him moving into this year, and I think that he's kind of kind of carved out his role away from Leonard Fournette. Even though he was Fournette was so talented in the playoffs, um, I fully expect uh, Ronald Jones to take over, and uh, I love him in this offense. And he's shown a ton of talent too. He really, and one of the biggest things I like to see was a ton of progression because I mean, people were saying he wasn't talented, and he really broke out and did a lot with his opportunities last year. And I think that that's going to pay off, and he's going to um, become a big part of that offense. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah, fair. I think Ronald Jones is the guy to get in um, Tampa. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, Leonard Fournette is an illusion. All right, yeah, I already kind of talked about my three. DeAndre Swift, Javante Williams, Miles Gaskin. I'll talk about Swift because I haven't really talked about him that much. Um, I think he can be a three-down back, a true workhorse. He's an incredible receiving back. And while Jared Goff didn't throw to the running back much in L.A., that's because he had Cooper Cup and Robert Woods and Tyler Higbee and Gerald Everett stretching the field for him. Now he doesn't have anyone except his underneath options and DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson. DeAndre Swift should probably be top eight in running back targets. Could even be top five in running back targets this season. He is an absolute superstar. Um, This team will be bad, but he'll get a lot of work and he'll see the field a lot more than Jamal Williams. Williams will get some touches, but overall the more talented back in every way in DeAndre Swift will always win out. And the more touches will probably just be to help Swift's efficiency so that he doesn't get like 30 carries a game, which is perfectly fine with me for his fantasy value. RB one season abound. Um, Hopefully he can stay healthy this season. Um, And yeah, pretty much it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Players to avoid. Oh, I hate looking at mine. Go ahead, though. Okay. My players to avoid are um, Josh Jacobs and Raheem Mostert. I already talked about Raheem Mostert, so I'll just talk about Josh Jacobs. Absolutely hate what the Raiders are doing. I don't know what they're doing. They dropped their top two interior offensive linemen just so that they could clear up some cap space to go sign Kenyon Drake. It seems like they don't trust Josh Jacobs at all, and they're not giving him a clear path um, to being a top guy i mean i'm just not comfortable taking him there's so much that could go wrong he could get injured he could just have his role taken over i mean i do not like anyone on this raiders team it really seems like next year um except for hunter renfo and uh yeah i mean i just don't trust jacobs Mm -hmm. yeah uh it it makes sense i think he'll be the lead back with Kenyon drake but i don't think people should forget about Kenyon drake at the same time so yeah definitely very very fair and, um, yeah, so Raheem Mostert, I disagree with. I just think he has a lot of upside. But if you like Trey Sermon, it makes sense. And then Jeff Wilson, they're always going to use it committee, so it's not going to be so f- super fun. But uh, if he has a good matchup, or if he doesn't, he can sometimes be efficient enough to be good for your team. Daryl Henderson and Chase Edmonds are mine. And the Daryl Henderson rise in the fantasy community is mind-boggling. Daryl Henderson is not a talented running back. I'm sorry, but it's true. I don't want to be mean, but it's true. Obviously, he's more talented than 99.9999999% of people in the world because he made the NFL, but he is not a good NFL running back. I have him 11 spots below his ranking right now as my fantasy RB32. He is currently at the RB21. Be, uh, can, I, this boggles my mind. Daryl Henderson is ranked ahead of Miles Gaskin in Fantasy Bros Consensus. Daryl Henderson is ranked eight spots ahead of Javante Williams in Consensus. How is this possible? First of all, I feel like the Rams are still going to sign someone. They're waiting to see who they can get. 
But, I mean, I think it's going to be Adrian Peterson. And if they sign Adrian Peterson, I think Adrian Peterson outperforms Daryl Henderson this year in fantasy football. He is mm-hmm. not good. He has had chances to prove he's not good. And the team drafted Cam Akers, who broke out and was going to be the workhorse for a reason. This is not going to be a run-first team. Daryl Henderson will not be productive. And drafting him ahead of a Miles Gaskin and Javante, that far ahead of Javante Williams, makes no sense. It makes no sense. There is no possible reason for it. And, yeah, you should. if you're drafting Daryl Henderson over either of these two guys, you should just quit fantasy. It's really, like, same with Chase Edmonds, wow. who's my other guy, three spots ahead of Javante Williams, who has never, ever, ever, ever in his career been anything more than a receiving back. And he's very, very good at what he does as a receiving back. But this team brought in James Conner, who will receive the clear majority of the inside carries. He will be, Edmonds will be too unreliable to, um, to start in your fantasy team. He's always just going to be a nuisance, which is unfortunate because he gets those five reception games and he takes away from the, between the tackles back. He's good. He's a good player, but not a good, not a runner. He is basically, I mean, he got called a mismatch piece recently. He's not like a workhorse back. He's a mismatch guy, a gadget guy, a receiving guy. That was Arizona sports, Jake Anderson, Anderson, who said that. Um, And that was, I, I guess Chase Edmonds, actually called himself a mismatch piece but he talked about like he was like I think with me getting in the open field and finding a way to just specialize with my mismatch with linebackers is really how I feel I'm the best type of football player at that point coach Cliff was obviously going to specialize in that that's the quote but and yeah I mean that sounds a lot like a guy who's going to get the catch the ball in space and try to go one-on-one against linebackers instead of diving into a pile every play this is both those guys are overrated yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind Chase Edmonds as much just because I think he's shown a lot of talent and a lot of flashes, especially in the passing game. But yeah, I don't think that people should overdraft him just because he's the number one. I mean, we saw that. I mean, it's not like the Cardinals love to use their RB. I mean, Kenyon Drake wasn't great last year, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a tough situation there. But that uh, looking at Daryl Henderson and Chase Edmonds, I hate the Henderson hype. It makes no no fathomable sense. I, I don't understand why people even think Daryl Henderson is going to start for the whole year. It mm-hmm. is illogical. Let's talk wide receiver. Specific questions. This is a tough one. This one's one we ask every year. When should the first wide receiver, Devontae Adams, be picked in your draft? Ooh, I think he should be taken first round. I think he should be taken first round as well. How high? I don't think any higher than pick 10. I don't think any higher than pick 10 either. I think he should be taken at this is hard. I think for me, he should I think be it's taken pick at pick 10. Ahead of Travis Kelsey. With Aaron yep, Rodgers same. back, I think I can trust him enough. I have my top nine RBs, McCaffrey, Cook, Barkley, Henry, Chubb, Eckler, Elliott, Harris, Kamara, and I think Devontae Adams is my number 10. Well, I thought Najee was one of your top running backs. I said him. Oh, you did? Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, my top nine, McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Zeke, Alvin Kamara, Saquon, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, Jonathan Taylor, then Devontae Adams, then Travis Kelsey, and I think there's also a case for Antonio Gibson there, and then if not, if Gibson, then Travis Kelsey after that mm-hmm. to wrap up the first round. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, rank the rookie wide receivers this year. Rank the rookie wide receivers. Um, number one is definitely Devontae Smith. Or, I mean, or, sorry, Jamar Chase. 
Number okay. two is Devontae Smith. Three for me is Rondell Moore. Okay. Um, I'm just gonna pull up my rankings just to make sure I'm actual here. Four is Ron or three is Rondell Moore. Four is Jalen Waddle. Five is Elijah Moore. And six is Rashad Bateman. Seven is Josh Palmer. Eight is Dwayne Eskridge, and that's all the RB, rookie wide receivers I have in my rankings. All right. Uh, for me, it's number one, Jamar Chase. My wide receiver 13 should be Joe Burrow's favorite target this season. Um, number two, Devontae Smith, my wide receiver 27, should be Jalen Hurts' favorite target this season. A little bit more risk there with the quarterback situation. Um, and I think Jamar Chase is probably a bit more of a – I think Jamar Chase is more, far more likely to succeed in the NFL than Devontae Smith, even though Devontae Smith, I think, is still very likely to succeed. Uh, number three, Elijah Moore, my wide receiver, 39. Great late-round target at wide receiver. He is going very, very late, and I love Zach Wilson and loved Elijah Moore's film, so I think Elijah Moore will be the wide receiver one there. Uh, talk, uh, during training camp reports of him playing like the go-to guy, the uh, catching passes and looking like the go-to guy. Um, as we scroll down, number four, Rashad Bateman. Wide receiver 51. Number five, Jalen Waddle, wide receiver 52. Number six, Rondale Moore, wide receiver 58. That's I just have six rookie wide receivers in my rankings. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, I mean, that top three I really, really love. Chase should establish himself with Burrow right away because they already have a chemistry. Devo- Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts already sort of have a chemistry, but other than Dallas Goddard, there's really nobody else there. He's great. And then Elijah Moore, like I talked about it, wide receiver 39. So let's talk late round wide receiver values, Chris. What are you looking at in the late rounds to get those high upside wide receivers? Because I think we agreed, like other than handcuffs, we're not really drafting running backs there. Well, obviously, because the handcuffs are the only ones available. So, but yeah, what do you think? Uh, For late round wide receiver, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, a lot of rookies, like especially Rondell Moore, one that I'm really excited to grab. Um, Antonio Brown, another guy. Um, I don't have him that high, but I still think that if he falls, definitely worth the pick. Um, maybe like a really we're digging deep into this draft here, Mike Williams, just because um, I love where Justin Herbert is going, and I mean also Josh Palmer. They're two guys I have at fifty six and fifty seven. I think that they could both develop into a nice secondary option for uh, Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. But I mean, really, I think go for some upside. You want to get some safer guys, so maybe your safer guys, Tyler Boyd. Or uh, maybe that is Juju Smith-Schuster. Or, well, he's probably not going to fall. But no, 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 not going. Juju, not Juju, no. Yeah, well, if Juju fell to wide receiver 41, then I'd go ahead and take him. No, <laughs> but, I uh, wouldn't. But uh, anyways, you get what I'm saying. Or maybe a safer guy like Robbie Anderson who falls. I think you should get one or two of those guys. Then really, I mean, get some high upside guys. Because that's mm-hmm. wide receivers can really win you your league because you can find them in the later rounds of draft and they can end up being top 15 guys. Yeah. That's what happened with Justin Jefferson. Some more, yes. I have a lot of late round wide receiver targets, Chris, as you know. Wide receiver 37, Will Fuller. That's I'm look reading off the fantasy pros rankings. That's a great spot to take him for some upside, even though he's suspended for the first game. If he doesn't get hurt, he could be really good with Tua. Michael Thomas is currently the wide receiver 38 on fantasy pros. Take a shot there. If your team's looking strong and you can wait him out, take a shot. He might be really bad for you and useless. But if you're willing to give up a roster spot, to get a few games or maybe hopefully more than a few games of elite production next year, go ahead and take him there. Um, uh, Devonte Smith wide receiver 40. That's great value. Um, as I look down the board, Marvin Jones wide receiver 50. He's the wide receiver one in Jacksonville. That's incredible value. 
Um, John Brown, wide receiver 63, same thing. Elijah Moore, wide receiver 67. These guys, so many options. Just get a couple of those at least. Please just do it for me. It's it's a great strategy. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, yeah, I think I'm trying to, the Michael Thomas ranking is just so hard to do. Like that, that's, it's impossible for me to decide where I want to have Michael Thomas and um, where I would actually, I might draft, I personally might draft him higher than maybe a more casual fan would, because I have a lot of confidence in my teams, but maybe that's not smart to have so much confidence in my teams to where I'm like drafting him significantly higher. So um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll figure it out. I think I will currently place Michael Thomas as my wide receiver. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really, really hard one, actually. It's just, I guess I got to place him as my wide receiver 36. As I just, there are some guys with upside that I feel like I might want over him. Um, And Chris, is he a little higher for you? Like your wide receiver number, where is he? Let me see. Where is he? Wide receiver 30, I think. Yeah, there he is. Yep. It's so Mm -hmm. weird. I I, like started looking higher and I was like, oh, wait, 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 no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so mm-hmm. tough to place him. It's so annoying because he would have been so good with James Winston. Ah! Yeah, I was just starting to get excited for him too. It's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, anyways, yeah, yeah, like... it's disappointing, but uh, I mean, I'm still excited for Michael Thomas, especially at the end of the season. But I mean, this injury, I think, is one that's going to kind of send his career into a, a downhill spiral. Sadly. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But um, yeah, he's getting up there in age. That's for sure. So it's, it's very unfortunate, but that could be true. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, I guess, do we have to, we got players to target and avoid now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good to me. So you want to start with players to target? Yeah, definitely. Um, my first player to target at the wide receiver position is Keenan Allen. And oh, I've talked about this so much, so I won't talk about it too much, but just love what Justin, where Justin Herbert is going to take this offense. And I think that the sky's the limit for these these two, Keenan Allen is one of the most talented route runners in the whole league, and he's great at finding the end zone, too. He's a great red zone target, so uh, I expect a huge year from him. And then uh, my other guy is Rondell Moore, who I talked about. In that air raid offense, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury runs such a creative offense that I know that they're going to find a way to get Rondell Moore involved. And Moore is so talented once the, he gets the ball in his hands. Even if through manu- manufactured touches that he makes his value, he's going as, like, wide receiver 50 or lower in some drafts. Like, I mean – Man, just getting some manufactured touches is going to lift him high. And I mean, yes, he might, he's going to be limited by a lot of his touches are going to be manufactured and maybe he won't get that many like downfield. But I mean, when he does get the ball in his hands, he's so elusive and he's a touchdown threat at any time. So that's what intrigues me about him. And uh, I love where he's gone with Kyler Murray. I think, I mean, he's going to be a great option once uh, Kyler Murray, you know, he's scrambling and maybe he checks down in the flat or runs like a, or gets open, you know, just with his speed and quickness. And I think that's where he's going to really shine. And I mean, I'm just excited. I think he's in a great spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I like that pick. Okay. I just, I don't know if Rondo Moore is the most complete wide receiver there is, but he's very mm-hmm. speedy. He's definitely not. Could end up the Andy Isabella route. He's that's risky. why he's going to have to, some of his touches are going to have to be manufactured. But mm-hmm. um, I think that just, I think that he has the talent with the ball on his hands. And yeah. if, Cliff Kingsbury finds a way to get him, get him the ball. He's going to be good. And I think that Kingsbury is creative enough to where he's going to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've got a lot of wide receiver targets that I like. I already told you about my late round wide receiver values. There's so many of those plus all of these guys, Jamar chase, Devontae Smith already talked about those. 
C.D. Lamb, a guy I haven't talked about much on the show. I, I want to talk about him at least one time, though, because he's currently ranked as the wide receiver 13. I just want to let you know that that is a completely, completely legit ranking, and that's pretty much where C.D. should be going. I have him as my wide receiver 14 because I love Kenny G and Jamar Chase more than the most people, but I think C.D. Lamb has a lot of upside with Dak Prescott as well. That's a guy that I would consider in the same tier as Kenny G and Jamar Chase, pretty close to those guys. So I am really, really loving C.D. Lamb next year as well. It's just C.D. Lamb's value is already pretty solid. Um, mm-hmm. by most rankers, but Kenny G let's talk about him. Let's talk Daniel Jones. Let's talk on passes with 20 plus air yards, 19 for 39 for 636 yards, five touchdowns and no interceptions, which came out to being the highest graded out of any passer last year on next gen stats. Let's talk Kenny Galladay consistently finishing at least last year um, when he, he has had a, a full season pace of top 10 in 20 plus yard receptions for, I believe two years in a row. Now Um, let's talk. This team doesn't have a clear number one option other than Evan Ingram underneath Mm -hmm. Daniel Jones is a gunslinger though. He was playing like a game manager last year because he didn't have receivers, but now he has got the guy he can manufacture touches Mm -hmm. for and Kadarius Tony. He's still got all his guys from last year, except like golden Tate. And then Kenny Galladay, the deep ball specialist, he will receive a massive target share, 150 targets, very, very realistic possibility. Um, he might not catch all of those cause he's more of a deep ball guy, but he will produce numbers maybe with 70 or 80 catches. He can still be incredible. And right now, even if you don't believe Kenny Galladay has a, that kind of upside, which I think he has near Stefan Diggs kind of new going nuclear kind of upside. Even if you don't believe that you should d- still take him because currently his price is the wide receiver 23 on fantasy pros half PPR. I don't see a world where Kenny Galladay finishes outside of the top 24 fantasy football wide receivers. It just really, really, really is not possible. Galladay sitting at the back end wide receiver two spot with that potential target share. That's the lowest he can finish. Even if you think his upside is like 18, 17, 16, still worth a pick. But trust me when I say that he has top eight upside. Kenny Galladay has Mm -hmm. top eight upside and you will see at the end of this year, we got hoodwinked again. I got fooled once with Stefan Diggs. I will not get fooled with Kenny Galladay. It is not happening this time. I am on it and he will be amazing next year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm super excited for Kenny G. You make me want to rank it, raise him up in my rankings. I'm a Giants fan. So I'm super excited that Daniel Jones has him, but I mean, Jones, the best deep ball thrower in the league. Well, I mean, not necessarily, but obviously graded that way. He was great. The best deep ball thrower in the league. So I'm going to say he is throwing to Kenny Gaudet, one of the best deep ball receivers in the league with a massive wingspan. Oh, this is what Daniel Jones has needed. He's great at getting the ball to a place where only his receiver can get it. It's just Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard aren't able to haul it in, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm just so excited for Kenny Gaudet. He's that big body that, uh, that Daniel Jones needs and. Also, Kyle Rudolph, too. Another and guy with that, Saquon back, they're not going to be able to double him and stack the box at the same mm-hmm. time. It's exactly. Gonna, gonna it be is going to be – this Giants offense, I think, could – I mean, they could cause some havoc. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Cortland Sutton, this is a guy who I feel like has the build of an alpha receiver. If Teddy Bridgewater gets in there instead of Drew Locke, Cortland Sutton has – a very similar kind of ceiling. He could be close to a top 12 wide receiver, not similar to Kenny Galladay, but like, uh, I guess not similar, but like close to, he has a top 15 ceiling borderline top 12. I was my wide receiver 21. He's currently the wide receiver um, 28 on fantasy pros faded on him a little. Cause I know drew Locke's going to start and Jerry Judy's going to get some touches, but even so I still like him quite a few spots above consensus. So go get Cortland Sutton. Uh, and yeah, that's pretty much it for me. You want to do your players to avoid Chris? 
Uh, sure. All right, go ahead. Um, my first player to avoid is Tyler Lockett, and this is—I mean, Tyler Lockett. I will go out and say I think he's going to have at least one game where he goes for twenty-five plus points, maybe even two. Obviously, but it's the inconsistency. I mean, he is even if you think that he might finish as wide receiver thirty, it's going to feel like he's wide receiver forty or wide receiver forty-five because he's going to have two great games and then he's going to be absolutely awful and. That's the big concern with me um, moving forward for this team. I mean, I'm liking that their offense is going to be a little bit more balanced, but I think that it's – I mean, they drafted Dwayne Eskridge, too, to just take away from him even more. I mean, I just think that Metcalf and Eskridge are going to kind of develop into the better guys here in this offense. And, yes, Tyler Lockett is going to have games where he's just going to pop off and just be insane, but I don't think that's going to be just enough to make him valuable in drafts. And that, for that reason, I'm avoiding him. Yeah, good explanation. It's the same thing with DK Metcalf. Uh, DK Metcalf is currently my fantasy wide receiver 15. He is like the wide receiver six in fantasy pros consensus. No way am I getting DK Metcalf in my draft. Uh, he's one of my players to avoid. Um, and Juju Smith-Schuster is the other. With Najee Harris, you said it. You think Najee Harris is going to get 250 plus carries? He's also going to get some receptions. You think Deontay Johnson will still get the heavy target share he was? I do. You think Chase Claypool will stay off the field? I don't. I think he'll earn his way because he's an incredible athlete. You think Eric Ebron won't get one or two at least red zone throw more throws more than you think he would have because Ben Roethlisberger will occasionally look to him. You think Pat Fryermuth was drafted in the second round to get zero receptions? He was not. All of these will make Juju with he has no upside and he also has a very low floor so he's my wide receiver 48 there are so many higher upside guys that i would take ahead of juju smith schuster um and you know what as i say that get out of here juju you're down to my wide receiver 50 behind Devonte parker and mike williams cool <laughs> my other guy all right yeah that was it i guess so who's your other guy um let me see here. actually get 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 lower juju you know what well, I'll, I'll let you know the final ranking, but I'm not keeping him up I here. I feel like I'm going to move Juju up a little bit. I think I'm going to move him down. Go ahead. Oh, Juju for me is going to jump up. Actually, he's just going to climb up one spot because I want to move Brandon Cooks down. Okay. Well, why are you bringing him up after I just explained how bad he is? Uh, Because I – I don't know. I – uh. Exactly. I just didn't like Brandon Cooks. Now. I was See, looking at my rankings in this mid-tier around Tyler Lockett. I realized how much I don't like Brandon Cooks. Okay, well. This so is... He was at one spot to wide receiver 40. Okay, well, who is your um, who's your other uh, player to avoid? My other player to avoid is Tyler Boyd, just because I think that Joe Burrow is going to quickly realize that Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are his favorite targets. And sadly enough, despite the talent that Tyler Boyd possesses, that's going to leave him uh, on the outskirts soon, so. I just think that there's – I mean, I think he's also just going to be inconsistent because of that too. I mean, there will be some games where he'll just be – they'll have – Joe Burrow and him will have great chemistry, but there are going to be other games where this offense is going to run through Chase and Higgins, and uh, I think that the priority is going to be getting Chase and Higgins involved. And so I just think that's going to leave uh, Boyd with less of an opportunity than some people might think, and so I'm avoiding him. Mm-hmm. Okay, update about – before I, I'll respond to that as well, but update about Juju. I had a brief moment of fury, but he's back at wide receiver 48 because I realized that my analysis says he should be there. So <laughs> he'll stay at wide receiver 48. I should not make rage picks on the show. Um, and, yeah, but I, I, I actually kind of agree on Tyler Boyd. I'm, like, fading Tyler Boyd this year. With Jamar Chase, I can't – I realized 
Jamar Chase, if he does what I think he can, and T. Higgins can still be good too. A Tyler Boyd is now my wide receiver 41 for fantasy. And I can pretty much guarantee, especially with injuries, but it can pretty much guarantee anyway that Tyler Boyd will finish higher than wide receiver 41. But at that stage of the draft, you're not looking for a Tyler Boyd who will get you consistent wide receiver three numbers. You want someone with upside like Elijah Moore, DJ Chark, who doesn't even have that much, but I would rather have Jerry Judy, Curtis Samuel, Michael Thomas, Marvin Jones, Robbie Anderson, guys like that rather have than Tyler Boyd because they have more upside. And again, Tyler Boyd will finish higher than this. And it kind of hurts if we're trying to do rankings accuracy, but I'm ranking it how I would see it for how you should draft. And yeah, that's Tyler Boyd, wide receiver 41, shocking fall from great. But I mean, if Jamar Chase wasn't there, he would be so high. You realize mm-hmm. I would be all in again on Tyler Boyd. Mm-hmm. Oh man, they drafted Penny Sewell. But then again, like Jamar Chase, I'm loving Jamar Chase and the Bengals. I don't really know what I would have wanted. Penny Sewell oh. was the pick for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Okay. Jamar Chase is going to be great. Uh, tight end. Specific questions. Uh, I'll ask you this one. I guess we're done with wide receiver now. How should the tight end position be approached in the draft? Actually, we already talked about this. We basically said this at the top of the show in our general draft talk, right? Do you want to just summarize briefly? Sure. All right. Um. um I mean, I just think that the late round guys for me, if you, I mean, one of the guys I'm really looking at is Dallas Goddard, Dallas Goddard and Darren Waller are kind of those two guys that I like at their values a lot um, to be taking as if I'm going to go with them, some top guys. But other than that, I'm kind of passing that tier with it. I think is kind of headlined by Mike Kosicki and really looking at guys like Gerald Everett and Adam Troutman and maybe grabbing Everett, Troutman and Ingram. I mean, I love that trio. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like we talked about, get the elite guys or get the late guys pretty much. Is mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey a viable first-round fantasy pick next year? I think we established yes. We'd both take him around 11 or 12. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where should the next tier of guys, though, Waller, Kittle, et cetera, be ex- selected in a draft? I think this is a hard one. Uh, I'll let you go first. <sighs> I mean, <laughs> I think it's – I think for me, for Waller, it's late second round. Mm. Kittle, I think it's late third. Wow, that's a difference. I mean, I would say early third for Waller, early to mid, very early third for Waller, early to mid for George Kittle, because I don't know if his target share will be as consistent as it was in recent years, but he's such a big play threat anyway, and it still will be pretty consistent because he's elite. Uh, Don't forget about George Kittle, Um, so I'd be fine drafting him there like before the mid third round or maybe around the mid third round. There's just a lot of guys that I like. Like first, if the draft fell how exactly I it I would make it fall. Like, I would be taking George Kittle probably mid-third round or a little bit earlier and not be happy about it because I just didn't get some of my values, but, like, that's how I would rank it probably. But it's like, if the draft, the draft isn't going to fall like that. So my choice might be George Kittle or DeAndre Swift. And we know who I'm taking, obviously, because I think DeAndre Swift should be an early second-round pick. So, like, that that's an obvious choice. So it's kind of interesting. Like I won't ever get Kittle, but like if the draft winds up how it should, then yeah, Kittle can go pretty early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I um, agree. All right. Players to target and avoid. You said Dallas Goddard, Adam Troutman, Gerald Everett are your trio. Is that correct? Or I guess you also added uh, who'd you add into that trio? That was like another late round guy. Oh, Evan Ingram. Right. But oh, yeah, yeah, these Evan are your three that you put on the note sheet for targets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, there you go. I mean, I totally actually 
forgot about that. Um, or no, I have Dallas Goddard. Um, not Ingram. Yeah, no, that's what I said. I I said I thought you. I said you had Goddard, Troutman, and Everett. Oh, I thought you meant I had the three that I had talked about as the sleeper guys. Oh no, I realized you had only had two. I also would include Ingram in this tier, but uh, I didn't want to put more than three. I already put two, one too many uh, than we're doing for most positions. Uh, I just love this trio. Oh my goodness! If you were really trying to build a stack tight end room, this is how I would want it to be built: Dallas Goddard, Adam Troutman, and Gerald Everett. And I mean. I've basically done that in my dynasty team, Calvin. I have Mark Andrews, Adam Troutman, and Gerald Everett. I'm so happy. And uh, <laughs> I mean, just having that positional advantage, I think is so important. Yeah, it really is. I mean, like, like I said earlier in the show, my guys, Gerald Everett and Jared Cook, two guys that you can get really late in drafts. Jared Cook, 34 years old, but he could take the Hunter Henry role. We know he could take the Hunter Henry role um, in the, in, uh, in, LA. Oh my gosh. What am I doing? Uh, this has been a long show. Jeez. He could take the Hunter Henry role in LA because he did it in new Orleans. He was the number two target at times there. And uh, he's still talented. He's tight ends survive longer. So 34 for him might be like 30 for a wide receiver or 31. So he can still be good with Justin Herbert. He's got a quarterback on the rise. Then Gerald Everett. We know Russell Wilson will throw to the tight end. He could be very inconsistent, but if the theory is true that tight end targets are relatively safe, then maybe he'll be all right for you. It's a dart throw for sure, but I mean, he can, he has potential to be maybe a borderline top 12 guy overall. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah. Uh, players I, to avoid. Go ahead, Chris. Um, My players to avoid at the tight end position are Kyle Pitts, because I think he's like, I think that there's going to be someone in your league that's going to take him really early. So don't, just because you might like Tyler Pitts, someone likes him more. I guarantee you. There are people that are really high. Did you say Tyler Pitts? I'm, I was thinking Tyler Boyd for some reason. Kyle <laughs> Pitts. Tyler Pitts. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, I mean, it's just not worth it. He's going to go too early. And uh, I have him as my tight end seven, so I don't even like him very much. Uh, just a total avoid for me at his TDP right now. And then my okay. second guy is Johnny Smith. And this is because I also think he's going too high people try and just neglect hunter henry i don't know why but um hunter henry is going to have a huge role in this offense and the qb situation is so undefined um it's just too risky for me yeah fantasy pros does declare a teardrop or wait no they don't actually never mind they have um johnny smith three spots higher than hunter henry though um so Mm -hmm. yeah but the kyle pitts pick i can't get behind he's such a great athlete maybe in year one actually i understand it a little bit but i'm not going to get behind kyle pitts as a fade Noah Fant is back on the fade list with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy both hauling in big target shares. I don't see much space for these other guys to do well. Devontae Williams can also be a three-down back. He'll get some receptions. I don't see Noah Fant being consistent enough. He'll have one or two big games like he usually does. And then Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas is a crazy interesting player because he was a guy I was really mm-hmm. high on. And he was like, target Logan Thomas, target Logan Thomas. Now I'm saying to avoid. Ryan Fitzpatrick is pushes the ball downfield. And now that he's got guys like Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel and Adam Humphreys, who he apparently loves, he will do so. Deami Brown will have a role. He is a big guy, good threat in the, uh, especially in the red zone. He could play some slot reportedly. Also Adam Humphreys with those slot targets um, that he could take away as well. And Fitzpatrick and Humphreys have a good chemistry. They could take away from the underneath Logan Thomas targets. Um, and yeah, overall, Logan Thomas is not a field stretcher of a tight end. He's more of a security blanket. So uh, he's an avoid for me, uh, even though I think he's a talented player. With uh, the same quarterback situation as last year, Logan Thomas would have been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk defense and kicker quickly. 
I'm just going to read off my defense and kicker rankings, and then we can talk about anything interesting. I don't think you really need to worry about these that much, but just look at like for with defense and kicker, just go off the rankings and then just go off the amount of playmakers on the defense. My main thing for defense is just go off the playmakers that they have. And if they have a game changer, like, um, like a superstar defensive tackle, expect that defense to take a leap higher than what the consensus is saying. This is what I expected when I predicted the Colts to break out as a defense last year. And guess what they did. So victory lap there, I, my epic defense pick to pick the Colts um, much higher than, con- or higher than consensus. And I picked them as my fantasy defense last year. Um, like this year with the Patriots adding Matthew Judon um, and adding some other playmakers, getting some guys back. Uh, that could be a defense that takes that next jump up as well. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers still added, uh, replaced Bud Dupree with Melvin Ingram, have a great defense still. But my defense rankings overall, Steelers, Rams, football team, 49ers, Patriots, Buccaneers, Ravens, Colts, Chargers, Chiefs, Saints, and Bills. Um, And yeah, that's pretty much it. Kicker for me, Young Waiku, Jason Sanders, Harrison Butker, Greg Zerline, Justin Tucker, Matt Gay, Ryan Suckup, Matt Prater, Tyler Bass, Robbie Gold, Jason Myers, Will Lutz. These are either guys that are tied to good offenses or guys that have produced last year. Sometimes the best kickers come in places that you wouldn't expect, like Jason Sanders. But if Jason Sanders' game log was consistently incredible last year, him and Young Waiku were great. And, I mean, now that two is still here and two has got more weapons, I mean, we could, I could definitely see a lot. This feels like a situation where there'd be a lot of field goals. And, of course, we know, yeah, again, Young Waiku – very, very great last year as well. Um, so, yeah, I, he will continue to be the kicker one in this high-powered Atlanta offense. Just for kickers, just get the guy who's tied to the good offense and then just base it on last year's production with similar personnel. It's not that difficult. Mm-hmm. And, yep. late, yeah, later kickers to target. Like, some of these guys are going late. Sorry, I, I know I've talked for a while, but just wanted to You're say good. this. Um, Jason Sanders at kicker five. Uh, Matt Prater at kicker nine. If he can regain his strength. I mean, he wasn't as good last year on the long kicks, which is unfortunate, but in Arizona, he could be good. Ryan Suckop, kicker 10, he's tied to the Bucks, so that's pretty easy buy right there. Um, yeah, pretty much it. Just other than that, uh, yeah, just go off the rankings, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Matt Prater, someone I do really like, is my kicker five. Um, he's kind of my guy that I've been getting in drafts when I don't, I mean, sometimes if I'm actually willing to go out and grab like a top kicker, which is kind of weird, but uh, sometimes <laughs> I like having that have your own player. But uh, really, I'm kind of looking at like Matt Prater and Joey Sly. Matt Prater, Joey Sly, and Ryan Suckup is my guys that I, I or Graham Gano, kind of those four guys, whichever one I just am feeling in that draft. I mean, sometimes it comes down to that. And a lot of times those guys appear on waiver wires anyway. Mm-hmm. Also, oh, wait, a guy I even forgot about. Kicker 19, Matt Gay, tied to this potential Super Bowl Rams offense with Matthew Stafford. That is definitely the best mm-hmm. kicker value in the draft right now. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, at I drafted three. Matt Gay in uh, our dynasty league. I ended up dropping him, though, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as you guys know, if you listened to the podcast last year, I was all over the Young Waiku train, and he was amazing, like I predicted, because he was the kicker one over the second half of the last year, and then nobody drafted him even close to there. So people were being idiots, basically. Um, uh, also I do want to say, uh, last thing, Justin Tucker, best kicker in the league, not for fantasy football. He's my kicker five. He will never be the kicker one. He finishes tends to be around kicker three or four this year. Five for me. 
I don't see it with Justin Tucker because he's just not the field goal attempts aren't there. He'll make everything he puts his eyes on, but the attempts aren't quite high enough. And the Ravens personnel is similar enough. Justin Tucker just year after year continues to be ranked the kicker number one, because the fantasy community doesn't care about the position, but I mean, it just doesn't, it's just not logical. Like Justin just fade, fade Justin Tucker for fantasy, not for real life. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's pretty much it. Any last thoughts? I guess I put recap general draft strategy, but I think we've exhausted it. Any last yeah, thoughts I, I, about draft strategy? About everything. Oh, Calvin, it is kind of sad. This is my last episode as a full-time host. Really fun one, though. I think this was one of our best ever. I mean, it was just filled with information. It'll be fun to look back on this one, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I will – well, this is not – yeah, it feels so weird. We talked about this before the show. This isn't your last episode ever, mm-hmm. but unless you want it to be. But uh, I, it, I will – all right. Yes. Yeah. That's what I figured. But um, this isn't your last episode ever, but it is like, you're not going to be the host anymore for the the full time mm-hmm. at least. And it's weird. Cause it's like a next chapter of the show. I know mm-hmm. our listeners will miss you. I'll miss having you every week, which is um, it's always great to have like a co-host for a podcast. And a lot of people that I know, like at my like sports broadcasting camp and other places trying to start a podcast as well, they don't have a co-host to host it with. So I was super lucky Chris, to have you for 80 plus episodes on this Mm -hmm. show, which I think has really developed and it became, I mean, I think this, our show has really become like very, like very informative and a quality podcast. Like I don't, that's just how I feel about it. I feel like we both blossomed really well into the show role. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, So yeah, I guess that's about it. Do you want to go over your bold takes before you go? No, there's something that, or we can do that, but there's one thing that I need to do. Okay. Sounds good. So your six bold takes are Dallas Goddard will be a top five fantasy tight end next year. Oh, yeah. Davis Mills will finish the season as a starter for Texans worth the Texans worth a late round flyer. Brandon Ayuk will be a top okay. 15 receiver. Oh, Carson yeah. Wentz, Michael Pittman, top 12 mm-hmm. QB, top 30 wide receiver. Um, Najee Harris finishes as a top eight fantasy running back. And Jameis Winston will be a top eight fantasy quarterback. Cool. Okay, Calvin, let's do something. My last time as the full-time co-host, roll the credits. Roll the credits. Okay, we will roll the credits. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at Calvin underscore SGF, at Chris underscore SGF. He's not deactivating, are you, Chris? No, I'm not. Do not deactivate. Don't you dare. You better tweet once a month like you usually do. And at SGF pod, follow our live show on Twitter at SG Sports Talk. Check it out. YouTube.com. Oh, wait, no, we don't have the URL yet. Subscribe on Second Goal Sports Talk on YouTube. Get us 200 subscribers, custom channel URL. Go check it out on Wednesday. That'll be Chris's final full-time live show. Um, and so it'll be a really good show, of course. And so go check that out. Uh, make sure to email us, secondgoalfantasy at gmail.com, talk at gmail.com with questions for the show. DM our Second Goal Fantasy podcast account at SGF Pod. DM me. Uh, if you want to be a guest on the show, potentially, just let me know a little bit about who you are. Like, I'm not just going to invite you if you're like a random person who I don't know about. But tell me if tell me about yourself. Tell me if you're if you're knowledgeable, I'll have you on uh, or I will be I can consider having you on. I don't want to guarantee having every single person on, but I will definitely consider your application. Um, and so reach out <laughs> if you want to be a guest on the show at some point. I'll be scheduling some good ones over the next few weeks. Um, go check out our website link in the description sites.google.com slash view slash second goal fantasy for rankings. Um, and again, Chris's will stay up on the site and be updated. Uh, so is that it? 
That felt so quick. It is. Gosh, oh. this is the this is kind of sad. I mean, I'll miss having you on the show, Chris. And I'm sure yeah, I definitely will too. miss being a full time guest. I think it's just best for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will definitely. You guys will definitely hear from me again. Okay. Yeah. No, this is not the last time you will hear from Chris. He is not quitting fantasy. I'm not. We're not like again, not quitting our friendship or anything like that. This is no mm-hmm. animosity at yeah, all. Yeah, no hard feelings between us at all. So mm-hmm. we're all good. Yeah, it's just, in fact, it's this is probably better for our, like, friendship in general so that we don't have to, like, put the strain on, like, having Chris do this every week when he's super mm-hmm. busy. Yeah. All right. Well, so, Anyways, Gav and I are heading to the pool, if that, guy t- if that tells you guys how, how we're doing. Yeah, exactly. We're literally going to the pool right after this. So uh, for the final time, Chris, any – it's not even the final time. It sounds so yeah, weird I know. to it's say because it's not the like final like time. Like, it sounds like I'm in some kind of Marvel movie and I'm like sacrificing myself here. <laughs> yeah, it's like – yeah, you're the Black Widow and you're jumping in because not all, not all of us can come back. So for the final time as a full-time co-host, Chris, any last words before we wrap up the show? I don't think so. I think we're all good. All right. That's it. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you, Chris, for being here for 81 whole episodes. That's really incredible what we've done with this show. Over 3,000 well, downloads for starting over this. a year. And yeah, yeah thank you so much. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you for listening, everyone. And we will see you. I will see you next time.